0: Welcome to Say Yes and Become. I'm your host, Leonard Lee, and I want to invite you to get ready to say yes. One of the most exciting and life-shaping words people say today is yes, and when we say yes to God, we become exactly who we were made to be. God is always inviting us to be His friend and to be His partner. It is an invitation to get close to Him and then join Him in what He wants done. Saying yes to friendship and saying yes to partnership changes everything. We're going to meet people whose yes to God has shaped their very lives and the lives of so many others. We will be encouraged, inspired, and we're going to find new ways to say yes to a friendship and partnership with God. So grab your coffee, get yourself to the gym, get ready for that bike ride, or do whatever you do when you take in a podcast and join us today as we say yes and become... Welcome to Say Yes and Become, I'm your host Leonard Lee and I am really excited about our, uh, our guest this week. Uh, he's a guy named Billy Ivy and I've known him indirectly and semi-directly for quite a few years now. And every time uh, I interact with him, there's always some piece of wisdom I take away. There's always some creativity in him that I'm jealous of. And there's always uh, some uh, way of watching a person uh, take what they have and try to multiply it in a pretty difficult world. Uh, that uh, that and to and to use it to make a difference. And so, we're going to interview him and have some questions with him. As I have say every time, our podcast is called "Say Yes and Become." And really, we're focusing on how do we say yes to God as a friend and then as a partner. How do we join him in what He wants done in this world? And since He makes us all so different. Those expressions are very different. So, Billy, welcome today. I'm so happy you're here. And uh, why don't you just tell us about yourself, and we'll be uh, getting off to a good start.
1: Well, thank you, Leonard. I'm honored for real um, to be to be here with you and to be on your podcast. It it means a lot to me that you would even ask. And so, um, yeah, my name is Billy Ivy. I live in Birmingham, Alabama. I've been a writer. for many years, I said for about the past 25 years, I've been an advertising writer, uh, and recently have been um, trying to pick up my author's pen, and I've written a I've written a, a book and written some other things. But live in Birmingham with my uh, super hot wife Bethany, and she is uh, she is the mother of my five children. Uh, so we have five kids, uh, ranging from the ages of 22 all the way down to 14. They're awesome, and uh, um, yeah, that's basically me in a nutshell. I, I'm I'm uh, just thrilled to be here, and I, I want to just dig in with you pretty quick here.
0: Oh man, we're gonna jump right in. You say you're an author, and you've got a bunch of other things. Uh, we're gonna jump into all those things because I really feel like that's part of that's part of uh, how we're gonna leave our our friends listening uh, really encouraged. And so we're going to jump into those but before we do I always ask this question to get us kicked off. Uh what are some significant yeses that you said to God since our podcast is say yes and become? Are there any that you can look at and say you know somewhere along the way I told God yes to this thing and here's how it shaped my life. Any anything like that you'd care to share with us?
1: Yeah, well I I sure. Um and, and I would I would say that um the most significant yes would 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 be uh, in my relationship with my wife Bethany, uh, and in uh, not only um, realizing that she was the one for me and uh, the the best thing that had ever happened to me, even on day one, but then really digging in and and building a life with her. I think that's been that's been one of the most significant event of my life was was meeting her and and starting a family with her and and living these past 23 years with her uh, as my wife has been, has been a really beautiful thing. And we learn things every single day. There's lots we have to learn, but that's probably the biggest, you know, I have, uh, I've basically taken her all over the Southeast. We have, we've moved 12 times in those 23 years. (laughs) And, uh, and, and, you know, I think, each time was me thinking that I was saying yes to God's call. Every single time it was, hey, you're, there's an opportunity or, or an agency or, or someone is calling me to come do this and be a part of this thing. Let's move. And uh, she has, you know, it was the 11th time that, that, that I said, hey, let's move. She said, you got one more. You got, you got one more move, and then you're going to say yes to me, and then what we're going to do here is we're going to stay in Birmingham. Our kids are going to graduate from, from, from school in Birmingham, and then you know we'll see what God does, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I think because of that, because of how, how much we have moved around and how many changes we've experienced in our relationship and in our lives, um, she has been the constant, and I, I thank God for, him, for her every single day.
0: Wow. You know what? That's awesome. I think uh, you point to some things that everybody needs to know. Uh, There are just some simple daily yeses. Uh, If you want to build a good home, build a good marriage, raise kids that uh, you can appreciate even when you're old, there are just simply some daily yeses that take place between a husband and a wife that really go back to the promises you made to God on that day when you stood there in your fancy suit and her in her white dress. Uh, Those it's about keeping those promises to her and to God. And I think that's a great way to say uh, that those significant yeses really come with her. And just so you know, uh, I'm really happy that we're not proximity friends because I hate helping people move. (laughs) Uh, My brother, I think I helped him move about a thousand times. So um, I wanted to uh, I wanted to start with this. Uh, You and I share uh, a deep affection uh, for a people and for a place and for relationships uh, with some folks and uh, that place and people are Cuba and Cubans, uh, whether they are expats and they live here, whether they are in Cuba themselves. uh, It seems to me, and you're going to give us some more insight on this. It seems to me that uh, I've never met anybody in Cuba who doesn't have a fascinating story. Uh, just a, an incredible story. And the older they are, the more rich that story becomes uh, right. with uh, the the various things that have taken place there. And so uh, can you tell us a little bit about how you got connected to Cuba? And uh, you've written a book called A Sea Between. And yep. it is a it is a great story of, um, uh, well, I'll let you tell what it's about because I'll yep. mess it up and I'll have to make you re- uh, backtrack. But can you tell us how you got started with an interest in Cuba and then how this has blossomed? Give us that story.
1: Yeah, well, the fascinating thing about my interest in and fascination with Cuba is that I didn't have a single clue about Cuba. I didn't, I, and I, I dare say I didn't care, you know, but it, with, without the understanding and knowledge of what Cuba is and, and um, her people. Uh, I just I never gave it a second thought. I have some friends there in Nashville um, who reached out to me five years ago now and said, and they know I'm a writer. They know that I've been I've I've been uh, tossing around ideas for books for many, many different years and trying to figure out what story I want to tell. Um, Chet and Mary Virginia Frist, they're there in in Nashville. Uh, uh, Mary Virginia was actually my high school girlfriend for several years. Um, and Chet and I had become very, very close, uh, friends and brothers throughout this process, but even before then, but I, I got a call. It was a Wednesday afternoon. I got a call. I was in my car and Chet said, Hey, I've got a story I want you to tell. And I mean, I, I literally, I pulled over, I pulled the car over to the side of the road and just listened to Chet tell me about a man that he had met. And that he had become very close with over the previous two weeks. Uh, mm. The man's name is Joseli Pereira, and Joseli um, is a carpenter. Um, he was hired to build and um, and design shelves and cabinets for the Frists' kitchen. Mm. And so, over the two weeks that he was in their home and building these beautiful, it's beautiful what he what he's done and what he does. Just the the, the detail, Mary Virginia. Um, just got to know him, got to, got to, uh, was asking him questions and she would make him a sandwich and she would give him water. And she would say, tell me about your story. I love your accent. What do you do? And I think after a a few days, he just sort of said, you know what? I give up. Okay. I'll tell you my story. You know, (laughs) it 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 wasn't something that he was sort of excited or, 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 um, or even um, expecting to tell, but, but over a couple of weeks, he told them his story and they, um they have a very very um a genuine and sensitive uh, spirit w- and soul about them that they want to tell powerful stories they want they want powerful stories to be told they are involved in many many different philanthropies and ministries and they they started one their own called monarch missions but regardless of that they heard they heard Yosele's story and called me and said we, we want you to write this we want you to write this guy's story. We don't know what it's going to look like. we don't know where it's going to live. we don't know what it is, but you need to hear it because it needs to be told. And I said, all right, you know, I got chills kind of and I said, oh yeah, that sounds fascinating. I'd love to hear it. Over the next couple of weeks, um, I talked to goselli on the phone several times and then we met for dinner one night in in the middle between Birmingham and Nashville. We met for dinner one night and he just shared his story. And it was then that I just, I remember driving home from that that dinner, and with a lump in my throat and a just a very strange feeling within my soul that I needed to do this. Mm. Uh, I needed I needed to tell a story, not only because I wanted to write a book. You know, it started from a very selfish place of, hey, yeah, of course I want to write a book. That'd be awesome. Uh, to this guy's story deserves to be told, and so yeah. th- then it began. You know, the relationship with with Yoseli began. My relationship with the Frist family deepened, and together we've been on a journey for the past five years to get this story told, and um, that's how I was introduced to Cuba. That's how I became fascinated and fell in love with the Cuban people by virtue of falling in love with Yoseli and his wife and his family, Um, and then was able to go with him um, for a week, a little over a week, to Cuba and really travel the island and get to see where he grew up and the experiences that he had, the things that he had to overcome. Uh, while he was there and then to really, really get a first, uh, firsthand glimpse at the, the incredible, um, bravery and just, um, um, denial of self that he had to have when he built a boat, put it in the water, uh, and rowed for three days and three nights to get out of there.
0: Wow. Well, we're going to yeah. ask a little more about his story. Um, yeah but just observing uh, the idea of, of movement that, you know, you got these friends who, who befriend somebody and it's my experience that people who, who come from uh, totalitarian regimes struggle to trust anybody with their story. Mm-hmm. So this says a lot about your friends, uh, being able to, to uh, coax a safe place for that story to land. In uh, yeah. you know, they, he put it in their hands and their hearts. And then they said, yes, and stewarded that story to you and uh, put that in your hands, in your heart. And um, I I have already pre-ordered my book, so I can't hmm. wait to wait to get it. But I'm, I'm just uh, amazed because I, I've been to Cuba several times and I know many, many people there. Um, and I go there at least once a year, sometimes twice a year to serve, Pastors and leaders there, and uh, they're very, very close to the vest in what they talk about. When it yeah. comes to their own personal stories, they'll tell someone else's story, uh, but they're very difficult to. Uh, you've got to earn trust, and so good on you for for garnishing that trust that turns into yeah. a book, and now it's now it's a living chronicle of mm. of a of a of a hero.
1: Who yeah. did something
0: yeah. spectacular, and he may never say he's a hero. So we'll just let ourselves de- de- label him that way. Can That's you right. tell in us? Fact,
1: I was going to say, in fact, he would never, he would never consider himself a hero. He one of one of the the many just really powerful things that he's told me and, and has um, was it was imparted to me as I was going through this process was. You may think my story is um exceptional you may think my story is this grand adventure but unfortunately it is not unique it's not unique it's a story that i share with so many hundreds of thousands of people Um, and that's uh when you read the book when you understand the story when you're able to really sort of dive into and become become immersed in to what communism really is to what what uh, those folks 90 miles away are enduring and going through on a daily basis it really is a de- that's a devastating comment for him to make my story is not unique um and so with with great humility he allowed me to tell his story mm. um and um yeah i don't i don't think it's always been something that he has been very comfortable with yeah uh, but uh, you know good on him for understanding and realizing that, that entrusting us, like you said, to right. th- that this is something that is going to change people's perspectives and change hearts and minds to, to uh, either get involved or, or just to, just to be able to pray for and engage uh, with, with refugees. Uh, yes. It's a bigger story. It's a bigger story than, uh, than a guy who escapes Cuba.
0: Right. And, and the idea of refugees, I mean, we've seen what's happened in Ukraine. We've seen what's happened in Afghanistan just in the last, what, eight months, 10 months, a yeah. year, and uh, how refugees have flooded flooded communities here in the U.S. And uh, I know so many people of faith who've stepped in to say, here's clothes, here's food, here's how you shop. Here's <laughs> Some have said, here's a, we've got an extra two bedrooms, come bring your family in. Yeah. and it really allows us and I'm, I'm i'm going to say i think your book is going to give us insight into what that what that looks like uh because we really don't in this culture of the u.s uh thank the, thank god in so many ways we don't really understand the full weight of what it looks like in so many other places yeah uh, around the world can you give us uh can you give us a uh, a cliff notes version of the story uh, you don't have to tell us how it ends because we want to watch that yeah. when the movie comes out, but. Um, <laughs>
1: well, I, I think it's pretty, I think it's clear to say that he made it. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so the story, the, 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 the exciting part and the the readable part, I think, at least I hope, my goodness, um, there's nothing more vulnerable than putting yourself out there and saying, Hey, read my book. I wrote something special. <laughs> uh, that's a, that's a very vulnerable place to be. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it is the story of a guy, Yoseli, and, and I, I, I really dig into his backstory and where he grew up and how he grew up. Uh, he grew up like many, many Cubans do, uh, at the son of a carpenter. There's lots of carpenters in Cuba. It's fascinating to, 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 to see and understand. I don't know why there's so many carpenters in Cuba, but there's a lot of carpenters in Cuba. And he his father was evidently a great carpenter. He was also uh, an alcoholic, and and um, and my gosh, you can hardly blame him, right? I mean, right. sometimes... sometimes in in such despair there's uh there's no there's no light to see and so you want to sort of sink into 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 that darkness even deeper so his father struggled with alcoholism and with uh with depression um throughout his entire life because because Yoseli's father was really in the first generation of people who grew up in communism you know Mm -hmm. it grew up Mm -hmm. under under the the rule of of castro and so Yoseli. You know his his father was able to see his own father's land and business be taken. And yeah. so Yoseli's father was a dissenter. he 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 was very, very clear um, that he did not agree with, nor that nor did he want to uh, want to follow Castro, which made his life her- ter- terrible. It made it horrible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. there are scenes in the book that are that are really unbelievable. Uh, where his father was beaten, where he was beaten, where his family was was uh, you know just treated horribly because they were not openly for uh Castro and his regime, and so Yoseli grew up with this sort of dark cloud of of you know wanting to wanting to have a better place and a better uh, a better experience for his family, even his own father, and so his 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 um, his disdain for and his his desire to leave Cuba started at a very very early age, um, and uh, it was it, it so it's a story of him him sort of growing up and his circumstances and then how he meets his wife Tyree, uh, and how she, he 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 described her. We were in Cuba. He described her. He said that's where I saw Tyree for the first time. That's where I saw my North Star. Mm. And it was when he met her, and as they began to create a family together, that he knew, I got to get out of here. And um, it was not a selfish endeavor at all. No. Uh, it was he wanted to create a, a life for his family um, that was uh, built on freedom, uh, built on on uh, beauty and uh, light. You know, there's yeah. there's a big light, light and dark. Uh, uh, those forces, those forces work, work pretty heavily throughout this entire story. The, the idea of light, the idea of dark and where we stand in mm. between those things and how we can reach for light through darkness. Um, you know, is not a, a, um, you know, a, a lot of people say, well, well, you know, tell me about his faith, his faith journey. Well, he didn't really have one, you know, and, and it, it's, it's, mm. it's, 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 uh, fascinating because we, especially here in the South, right. I mean, there's a church every third block and you, you don't find anybody who doesn't at least say that they're, they're a believer.
0: Right.
1: Um, there was no such thing as, as belief. There was no such thing as being a part of organized religion or even having a a general understanding of a savior because you're taught from a very early age, uh, that Fidel is your savior. Yes. Um, there's a there's a, a part of this book where he said I was very young the first time, uh, or I was very young when I when I was uh, when I knew who God was. I even knew what he looked like. He was mm-hmm. a tall, gaunt, gaunt man who wore who wore a hat and had a long gray beard, and his name was Phil Castro. Because that's what you're taught, right? He is your savior. He is he is the all knowing, all powerful, all seeing, and and generous mm-hmm. God. Uh, and, and so, so his faith story didn't really become a faith story or a faith journey until he started realizing that, you know what, you know what, something is control is in control of my life. Something Mm. is guiding me. It's not a selfish endeavor. This is not something that I want to do because I want to feel better. It's something I do because I know that there's a promise for something better for me and my family. And so it's, it really is a fascinating story. I hope, I hope that it's written well. I really, I really do because it's a great great story and I think people will uh will be uh, engaged from the very very beginning because he is such a likable lovable followable uh and interesting guy.
0: Mm, man that's exciting. I know well according to your son at least the last 277 pages are <laughs> very good. Um, that's
1: right. Yeah Quinn, Quinn said dad the I got to tell you the first 10 or 11 pages, I was, I was a little nervous for you because, <laughs> but then it got good and it, and it stayed good. And uh, um, it was, it was, that was really funny. Um, oh
0: yes. Thanks. Uh, now go find someone else to live with.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. You're 14. Well, what do you know?
0: That's right. You know, you, you, you bring up the contrast of light and darkness. And when I travel, when I take people with me, uh, and you've been to Cuba, it's a beautiful place. Uh, it, there's, as you're driving along the roads, you know, it's an island, and it's, and it's literally stunning. You go to the seawall in Havana, and you sit on that seawall at night, and the cool air comes in off the ocean. You got swimmers in the water with lights trying to catch fish. You've got families and people sitting there, and it feels like well, I have just entered paradise. You, you take the taxi tour through Havana and you think, man, I'm riding in this classic American automobile and there's a romanticism to it. There's a, there is a, a, a beauty. And then you, you look at the Cuban culture, which is warm, generous, and and you know the when when they greet you, the ladies will greet you with the with the little kiss on the cheek, and and the more kisses they give you, the more they really appreciate you. And so it's like my wife and I went there, and she dang, she got three, and I only got one. Uh, dang it! And so I know the first time I beat her, I told her, I said, I got four kisses out of that. You only got two, so uh, I lapped you, lady." But this whole beauty we always tell people don't let beauty hide the darkness. Cause that's the, that is literally the enemy's way there. He lets beauty mask the darkness, you know, that goes all the way yeah. back to the garden. Hey, you know, you try this and, you know, you're going to be like God. And, and, yeah. uh, and there was a darkness behind it. He didn't tell. Um And so you go into C- Cuba and you've been there. uh you will know, knows this. For generations of family and story you drive havana and you would say wow this is beautiful there's tourists everywhere on the first floor but you go to the second floor and it looks like a bomb went off and none of those people can fix those because the government doesn't allow it yeah Uh, it is
1: in anything beautiful outside of nature outside of what you described the 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 water and the, the the sky and the trees and whatever, anything beautiful is a facade. Yeah, it it is it and and like you said, it's the first floor or it is, it, it, but but when you get a peek around that wall, yeah, when you get a peek around that wall, the the depth of um, poverty, the depth of um, of just despair in that yeah. place is. It really cannot be described. You know, again, I, I was charged with writing a story to help describe this this place, and I don't think there are good enough writers to be able to fully, fully give people a picture of what it is. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, there there are scenes in the the story that that I think do a pretty good job, but I, you know, I, I thought I thought I had a clue before we mm-hmm. went there. I thought I did. Uh, But I didn't even even understand the very first paragraph of a description Mm. of communism and what that does to a people over generations. Like you said, it is, uh, man, it's it's a it's a horrible, horrible thing
0: when you have a secular culture. And that's really what what uh, is difficult for people to grasp from the U.S. who go in, because regardless of how you feel about our culture here in the U.S., when you go into Cuba, it's a secular culture. I mean, it's not a it's not a faith driven culture. There's not even a faith history in so many people. And uh, I remember walking along the the seawall or the at the at the harbor there, um, and uh, they saw that I was an American, uh, or they, at least they assumed I was, and they kept running up to me and they kept shouting, "F Donald Trump, F Donald Trump." If Donald mm-hmm. Trump and uh, they didn't use the word if if you know what I mean yeah. and my friends were uh, Cuban friends were like oh well do we have to rescue him and I'm like Muslim it's okay don't worry about this you know I I <laughs> I'm not representing Donald Trump I'm I'm, I'm about <laughs> Jesus here and so we laughed and we talked and they finally moved on and and they came up to me afterwards and we're so sorry. Uh, that 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 happened to you and i said oh no it's all good i learned i learned something new today and i said they said what's that i said i learned donald trump's first name um (laughs) starts with an f and uh, they started laughing but that whole the whole idea is that this is a culture that isn't just secular it's built in opposition to the spiritual Mm, and so that's right it's not just a neutral secular culture. It's an aggressive secular culture built in opposition. Um, I believe it was uh, Raul Castro who said, we oppose churches because all movements that bring betterment of humanity come from faith. Mm. And that's why we're trying to control churches. And I just thought, man, uh, that's powerful. So,
1: um,
0: so as he uh, was honest, (laughs) <laughs> well, and, and it was intentional. It was incredibly mm-hmm. intentional. And, and, uh, we see the people suffer there in ways that we, you know, we just can't even imagine. Uh, when we go, uh, we're going in September and when we go, uh, they're already buying food. Uh, they started oh, yeah. buying food in June, just so they have enough to feed the people that we're going to serve in September. Yeah. You know and yep. so that's just such a different world than we're used to so as you're writing his story and you're hearing it and you're sensing um talk to me how you combined or or identified a different kind of beauty uh, because this is a beauty that uh, about a man who saw his northern star uh, was willing to do anything for her and his family who uh at great risk did you see a different kind of beauty in a person? And if you did, how did, how did that contrast to the darkness you saw in, in systems? Hmm. Yeah,
1: that's, that's an interesting question. And I've said, I've said this before and, and uh, I mean, you know me, I don't know how to, I don't know how to, uh, to better describe my relationship with Yoselle and my, um, fascination with his story other than to say that i i fell deeply in love with this man Mm. (laughs) and and you know and and it's it's hard for a man to say that about another man because there's all these you know there's no romance involved whatever Mm -hmm. but he but but that said it's the most romantic story he's the most romantic guy i have ever known um there's a depth there's a depth to his spirit there is a Mm -hmm. depth to his um um his acceptance of, of whether he knew it or not, accepting God's call mm. to get out, to, to build the boat, to do the thing. So I I fell deeply in love with this man. Mm. I fell in love with his, his, uh, accent. I fell in love with the way that he would say different words and that he would, uh, and he, the way that he would look at his wife as he was telling a story as if to, as if to say, help me here. You know, I, I, I I, I'm every time that he gets passionate about something, he would start speaking in Spanish, you know, he yes. starts speaking and, and, and cause he would get excited about it. and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. You know, oh. I, I want to, I, I want to tell you and, and, and Tyree, his wife would always put her hand on his back and say, calm down. You can do this, you know, cause he would get excited. About so, so I don't know if I answered your question at all, but, but I saw and and was introduced to a beauty that I didn't know was there. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know that um, that his story or, or that any story, uh, could affect me the way that this affected me. Wow. And so my goal, my goal throughout this whole process was, dear God, please let me do justice to this story. You know, d- please don't let me, don't let me mess this up. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, throughout the process and you've you've written books and you've had publishers and throughout the process, I mean, things have changed and people's opinions and different. Why don't we say it this way? Or why don't you remove this paragraph? And we can't tell all of Tyree's story because people are going to get confused. And so it, I I dare say that it's the book or story that, that I set out to write because it, it's about 70,000 words less than what I wrote (laughs) (laughs) because we, we had to, we had had to, you know, just highlight some of the different things throughout the process. But, but I do feel immensely proud of uh, the process and, and yeah. the, the relationship that has been built through this process. You know what? I hope people like the book. I hope it sells at 10 or 12 copies and that, you know, that we, we can make a few bucks on it. But at the end of the day, if I'm honest and not thinking through a selfish lens, um, I'm so grateful for just being able to spend the last five years worrying about this because oh. it has made me a different, it's made me a different person. Wow.
0: Wow. I love that. Um, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a break uh, from here from one of our sponsors. And when we come back, I've got a couple more questions I want to ask you. So here's our sponsor, Papa's Rose Coffee. We all know there are certain experiences that will bring to the surface, a memory, an emotion, a warm feeling, or just good thoughts. For me, it's a pristine sunrise, the scent of freshly baked brownies, a meaningful song that reminds me of friendship or just being well-loved. Do you want to know what enhances each of these experiences even further? I'll tell you, what enhances each of these experiences is a great cup of coffee. That's why I love Papa's Roast Coffee. My friends, Dean and Debbie Chris, get their coffee from a single origin and roast it in small batches for that perfect flavor and shine in every being. If you like coffee, then you're going to love Papa's Roast. Order some today at www.papasroast.com. It's roasted to perfection, shipped in eco-friendly bags, so enhance each of your daily experiences with an amazing cup of Papa's Roast today. All right. Hey, welcome back to Say Yes and Become. I'm Happy to say that uh, we're having a great conversation with Billy Ivey. We've been talking about his book, A Sea Between, and it is a story of Yoseli Pereira. Uh, did I get Pereira right? Close yeah, enough?
1: Pereira, Pereira, Pereira. I mean, Pereira, said, Pereira, Pereira. And
0: uh, here's what I found about Cuban Spanish is it just pronounces everything so different. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was in a marketplace in uh, in Havana and uh, a guy started speaking Spanish and my translator, a uh, young gal named Ana, she looks at me and she goes, He's from Mexico, and I oh, said, yeah. well, "How do you know?" She goes, "Well, because his Spanish is different." And then a little bit later, they're from Argentina, and because yeah, yeah. Cuban Spanish is very unique to Cuba. And yeah. um, I well, was, think there.
1: Up, I mean, it, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, it, and it's funny. I think we we hear we hear all Spanish the same, but I mean. You know, you've got Boston accents here. You've got Chicago accents, New York yes. accents. I mean, people from New York and Boston are super close and they talk different.
0: They um, do. You know, and but, they use different words and it's just, yeah, it's right. crazy. You know, I, I grew up in California and we never once called a, a shopping cart, a buggy. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, did you put your buggy back? And I'm thinking, I don't know. Did I have a buggy? <laughs> you know.
1: <laughs> Where is it? Where is it? Get it off of me. Yeah,
0: yeah, so um. As you're, as you're thinking about this story, you want to do justice to it. You want to, do, um, uh, you want to honor the story itself to make sure it's told well. You work hard. Uh, for those of us who, who write or who are thinking of writing, um, what are some things that you did in your mind and your heart to prepare yourself to be a steward of somebody else's story? How did you go mm-hmm. about that? That wasn't on the list of questions, by the way, in case you didn't know.
1: Well, that's okay. Well, yeah, no, I, I, I think we, we were long past the, uh, <laughs> the script. Um, uh, I, if I'm understanding the question correctly, I, I think it was a, I had to become very, very intentional in, in my mm-hmm. writing of it. Um, I had to, again, like you said earlier, it, it says a lot about Yoseli that he would be trusting It says a lot about us, those of us who were asking him to tell us his story. Uh, It says a lot about his trust in us and and our ability to embrace it and sort of engage with that story. But um, I just took, I took, I I took it very, very seriously that I didn't want to make too much up. You know, there are, you know, as a writer, as a creative writer, and that's what I've done my whole life, I'm a creative writer. And so it's, it's hard to be a quote-unquote biographer because I want to inject myself into this story. I yeah. want to say, here's what I felt. Here's how I was. But, but I just had to be very, very intentional. And I had to understand how he talked about his wife. I had to understand how he talked about Cuba and Castro and the boat and America and the people who helped him in America. I had to understand how he talked about those people so that I could create dialogue, you know, mm-hmm. so that I could – I I did have to inject myself into this. You know, I've said over and over and over, these are my words. This book is, are my words, but this is his story. And there's a, there's a distinction that needs to be made there because I, this is not about me. This is not about me. I hope people love the way I tell his story, but it's been a, it's been a kind of a, not a tug of war, but just there has been a push and pull just from me personally, uh, and not only wanting to tell it well, not only wanted wanting to make people turn the page, but to be true and authentic to to his experience, and mm. and um, that's been that's been difficult. But I just had to sort of sort of say, you know, okay, God, okay, Yoseli, okay, Frisk family, you gotta trust me in this. And if there's anything you see, if you ever see me saying anything that is either untrue or uncharacteristic of you or him or them. Uh, you got to tell me, and there were a couple of there were a couple of instances, but but for the most part, it was a pretty seamless process to be able okay. to to take the different pillars of his story and fill in the blanks. A um, lot of descriptions, you know, I would have never been able to describe a lot of the things that I describe in the book had I not had the opportunity to go and experience those things for myself. Right. You know, you you hear about an island and you think, oh, a tropical island, it must be beautiful. Everybody's running around shirtless and on the beach. Um, there's a lot of people running around shirtless, but they're not on a beach.
0: You know, no, they're running around shirtless because
1: they, huh? they don't have shirts. Um, but uh, but I'm able. Uh, it, it, I don't know that I answered your question, but I I really had to sort of. Um, I don't want to sound selfless at all in this because this is not. But I had to die to self a little bit in this mm-hmm. and say say I, I need to I need to say the words that are that 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 are being put on my heart because I couldn't make this up. Right. I, I am not a good enough writer to make up this story. And so yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't I, again. What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> what day Doesn't is it? Doesn't <laughs> matter. Yeah. I, don't, I have no idea.
0: The the um you know as a as a pastor uh for all these <clears throat> years of my life uh I'm I'm listening to you describe the process of loving someone else uh as yourself. And that is really a beautiful thing. I mean, that goes to the greatest commandment, love God. And then there's another one that's equal to it, love others. And you had to figure out uh, how does Billy Ivy love Sally by telling his story? Um, How does that love come through? And we've all made the mistake of loving people the way we want to be loved not the way they need to be loved and so it sounds like that intentionality that you applied to this really did take a lot of dying to self a lot of going Mm. i need to figure out how to love him by telling his story and uh, that's that's actually you're describing something beautiful you're answering my questions uh exactly how i'm hoping that you would um and so go ahead
1: I'm sorry. There's something really, really special. Um, when you're able to, when you're able to, not to get emotional, but when you're able to call someone brother, mm. um, that's powerful. Yeah. When he calls me hermano, mm. it is one of the greatest joys of my life, you know, yeah. to, to, to know that, he loves me too, you know, yeah. and um, that's been a that's been a powerful part throughout this process. Yeah,
0: what a gift it's to odd. you this process has probably been. Has oh it gosh, had an influence on your family at all? I think so.
1: I mean, I, I, of course, I, you know, I I, uh, I made the decision early on in the process after about six months of trying to write at the kitchen table or trying to write in the the dining room. Uh, uh, before or after work uh, <laughs> yeah. at, at an agency. I was working at an agency at the time. Um, we were able to work it out to where I was able to quit my job mm. uh, and, and I was able to go back. I've, I've been a freelancer for a long time uh, before having a job, but I, I quit the agency job and, and picked up a bunch of freelance work so that I could at least be at home, at least be intentional mm. about different segments of my day. Uh, to write. Um, so, so from a very real practical standpoint, yes, it's affected my family just because, because it's taken a lot of trust and a lot of faith on their part. And I say they, I don't think the kids understand what goes into being, um, being trusting and faithful with respect to decisions like this and financial decisions. But, but Bethany has really been a champion of, yeah. I don't know that she's even been a champion of the book, to be honest with you, Leonard. I think she's just been, she's a champion of me, and she believes, you know, in me. And so as much as she probably wanted to say, are you freaking crazy? You know, are you stupid? You know, we've been down this road before. We've been, we, we were, we've been in almost financial ruin before. How dare you yeah. consider going back there? Uh, she wanted to say that I'm sure. But but she trusted me throughout the process, and 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 it's worked out so far. You yeah. know, I mean, it 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 has taken so much longer than we expected it to take. Uh, it took me about fifteen months to write the first draft of the book. It took me then um, almost six months to write a proposal for the book, yeah. and then it took it, you know it took maybe maybe two weeks for someone to 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 buy into the idea of it. But it has affected my family in that they have seen how much this story means to me and i've Mm. always i I hope that i have have not let them believe or made them feel like the book sales or the idea of my my name on the spine of a book is more important than the idea that i got an opportunity to tell a really powerful story Mm. Uh, i hope that they don't see uh, my pride of writing a book which I got to tell you, it's a cool feeling. You know, it's it a really cool feeling. When I got when I got the first book from the publisher, it came in the mail. I mean, mm-hmm. I carried it around with me for three days. I, mm-hmm. I really did. I carried it around with me for three days. It's in my car right now because how dare I leave the house without a copy of the book that hasn't even come out yet. But So that is a, that is a, that's a, it's a cool feeling. And I think that should be celebrated. And, and, and I think that folks have been celebrating me well throughout the process, but I think they've, they've seen, uh, me as a as a guy who who has been doing this for the right reasons yeah um and they 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 know and understand my love for for that family uh the Perea family and so um it's been neat it's been really neat I think they're proud of me for sure um but I think they're also in awe that I have a relationship with a Cuban guy you know it's pretty cool all
0: right (laughs) Are are they asking for cigars and rum all the time
1: <laughs> not, yet, <because> they, <laughs> not yet they know that those those were gone a long time
0: ago <laughs> so well I, you know i've been watching you in this journey i mean we talked about it when you first got it was probably 4 or 5 years ago we had a couple interactions where um you were telling me about it and i had just started going into cuba in 2016 um in my travels and so um what i have uh, experienced in your journey uh, from a person on the outside is just an authentic authenticity uh, that is about uh, you know, doing something that matters. We all long for that. Um, yeah. And uh, the greatest need I believe in every man is to have their spouse. Uh, every man who is married, at least have their spouse, just trust them. Just believe in me, okay. you know? And so uh, Bethany has, has uh, shined, uh, through 12 moves, but also through, uh, this process of saying, I see something authentic in you to do this. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're not asking more than I'm willing to give. And I think that speaks well for 23 years of marriage that speaks well for, uh, five kids and to be able to do it in front of them. And so I, I just think, uh, uh there's a beauty in that. And that's why I asked that question. I want to shift a little bit because, uh, you know, your agency, but you do, you, you work for agencies in advertising and writing, uh, for many years. Um, uh, I've told my wife before this interview that, uh, your mastery of words and storytelling is some of the best that I've ever seen. Uh, the way mm-hmm. that you do that, I've read your blogs, I've read other things and, um, you know, and I write a lot, but I'm not, I'm not a writer like you. It is just, uh, there's some, there's something about it that I just so, uh, in a good way get go. I'm a little bit, uh, I'm a little bit uh, uh, spiritually envious. Oh man, I, I, I hope that that comes out for things bigger than all of us and um but you do something uh, i don't i'm going to let you tell the origin of this and tell this story and the ripple effect cuz i have a hunch that that's probably actually helped you step away from the agency uh we're going to talk about napkinisms and mm-hmm. uh what yep. those are and how did that come about and so to do a napkinism justice um uh, i've got a couple up on my desktop here um Uh, I yell because I love, uh, there's one. And, uh, and you're going to tell us what these are. I'm just going to read a few of them. Um, tomorrow is a really big day, but let's do this one as good as we can. Uh, uh, first. Okay. Uh, here's another one that uh, was up on my uh, screen here. Uh, you forgot to brush your teeth. It's okay. We all forget stuff. For instance, I will probably forget to take you trick-or-treating. Um, and uh, so you, uh, and Man. these are napkinisms and uh, they're written on a napkin. They're written. So give us, give us how this, give us what a napkinism is, and then tell us how did that come about? Cause I just love them. Yeah. Well,
1: well, thank you. Thank you for that. It, the, napkinisms are the, is the most ridiculous it's the most ridiculous and, and uh, uh, unintentional uh, platform I think probably ever created. I was I uh, I have been putting notes in my kids' lunches. So so this started out with with just lunchbox notes, right? And there's nothing nothing um, super original or I, I didn't create napkin notes, right? I, did, I certainly didn't create parents the idea that parents put notes in their kids' lunchboxes, but uh, I've been doing it for a long time. I've been doing it since since my 22-year-old is probably five, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, the napkins usually uh, started out with, uh, you know, daddy loves you or a heart or a smiley face or good luck on your math test. And they sort of, it becomes more personal and more original and more real to each kid as they get older. But it's something I've been doing 15 years, 16 years now. Um, about six years ago now, which is hard to believe, but about six years ago, I I wrote a note that I that just it kind of stopped me in my tracks and it, it made me think and it made it gave me a perspective. And I was like, my gosh, you know that this is great. This is this is a good note. Um, and but so before I put before I put it in their lunch boxes and sent them off to the bus stop with their peanut butter jellies and whatnot, I, I took a picture of the note. Later on that day at work, I was scrolling through my phone and I stopped on that note and I said, Man, that's powerful. You know, that that's powerful. It actually makes me think. And so I'm going to post this, I'm going to post this on Instagram. Instagram was not a thing that I was real into at the time. It was just something that, that, you know, you have a couple hundred followers or whatever I thought it might, it might speak to someone. And so I posted the note to Instagram. Um, and then almost immediately I had likes and follows and shares. And it was crazy how, how this, how it sort of people just sort of were really drawn to this. the note that I posted, the first note that I posted, just, it said, remember Every time you smile, a mean kid gets diarrhea.) <laughs> uh, <laughs> and again, again it's, it was it's just ridiculous. it was dumb, you know? But, but, but at the time, I was trying to give my, my son some perspective, saying, "Hey, those guys might be jerks. Those guys might be, be ridiculous and, and mean and, and mean-spirited and bullies. But you can only control what you can control. Right. So, 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 so have a good attitude, smile, smile. What do you do in the face, in the face of a bully, you smile at them. Cause you're not going to beat them up. You're not going to beat them with words. And so smile. And again, there's a deeper meaning behind these stupid messages, but the, these stupid messages sort of caught on. And, and as people started liking them and started following and sharing them, um, I started to realize that there was something deeper and more meaningful to these ridiculous notes like you read a couple of them, but, but then the the next day I wrote a note that said, uh, please eat all of your carrots. They're supposed to make you smart and you need all the help you can get. Mm -hmm. And so it's ha 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 ha. Right. As people started following and liking and becoming a part of this quote unquote movement, it, I didn't, I couldn't understand it. You know, Leonard for 25 years, I've been trying to figure out how to move people and influence people (laughs) with my words. Right. I've, I've, I've been in advertising. Like I said, I've moved 12 times going to the next campaign or the next job or the next agency, trying to better myself and have more influence and have bigger jobs. And I've gotten to work on some really cool stuff through advertising, but it wasn't until I put diarrhea on a napkin (laughs) that that, that people really, it started, people started really reacting and people started saying, thank you. And what I learned, and when you
0: say that, you mean you wrote diarrhea on a napkin, not put it there. That's
1: right. I I, I physically put diarrhea. Well, I mean, you know, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but people started sharing their stories with me, and that's where I started. I I had a new perspective. I gained a new perspective on what my opportunity is. Right, Mm -hmm. I I have an opportunity every day, not just trying to make my kids laugh or to make them to embarrass them at the kitchen, you know, at the at the lunch table every day, but to to genuinely invest in them and to uh, to remind people of other characters and their own story. And so I was I was listening, listening and reading these comments and people were sending me letters saying, thank you so much for what you do. And it was bizarre. You know, I'm writing ridiculous things on notes, on napkins and sending notes to my kids, posting them, sharing them with people. But for no other reason than I think it's fun and funny but there was a layer, a depth that I never intended to, to go mm. to with people where they said, my dad used to do this and I miss mm. him every day. My grandmother used to do this. I miss her every day. Uh, I'm, I, I use your notes in my classroom to make my kids smile. Like teachers were putting notes in folders and sharing folders with kids who might be having a bad day. And there was no intentionality behind that whatsoever until I was able to say, you know what? this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity to, um, if for just a moment, for just a second to say, um, you're special, somebody, somebody who loves you thinking about you right now. Mm. And, um, it's really, it's been really powerful. I I, I've been able to partner with a couple of different organizations, children's hospital here in Birmingham, um, for about a year and a half, put one of my stupid notes on the lunch trays of every single, every single patient at the hospital. Um, And the stories that came out of that, I had had parents emailing me and texting me saying, thank you so much. You know, my kid didn't read this note, but it changed my day. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, My husband and I are having a really hard time. We're struggling. We're scared to death. We don't know how we're going to pay for this. We don't know how our child is going to get through this. But your note said, I'm pretty sure it's going to be okay. And I looked at my husband and a tear rolled down his face and he grabbed my hand. And I think we're going to be okay. you know, like, oh, my gosh, it's powerful stuff that I never intended with this. And so what I've done is, um, my gosh, you know, this this sort of comes back to say yes and become right. (laughs) What I realized was. um, I have an opportunity, it's not my responsibility to change people's days, but I have an opportunity to maybe shine a little light and to make people smile and think. Uh, There's a guy named Brad Montague. Are you familiar with Brad? He Mm -hmm. he started kid. He started the kid president uh, movement a long time ago. He's a really funny guy, really gifted guy and thoughtful, deep guy. He lives near Nashville. Um, But he wrote, you know, I was going through a really tough time. How am I going to keep this up? How am I going to give 400 kids every single day a note at the hospital? How am I going to do this? How am I going to engage with the Chick-fil-A foundation and provide these notes throughout the summer to, to, to these kids in need because i partnered with them as well. Um, and it really, he said something that was so, so powerful. He said, even a small message when crafted in love, will find where it needs to be. Wow. Hey, 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 let go of this dude. It is not your responsibility to make everybody laugh. It is your responsibility to answer the call that God's put on your heart to invest a little bit of time every day into trying to make people think about stuff, trying to give somebody a new perspective that they might not have had without you. So that's been a really powerful thing, man. It, mm-hmm. it's, it, it really did take the pressure off. Some notes are funny. Some notes I sweat blood over trying to trying to make people laugh or how, the, how are they going to feel. But the most powerful notes, the ones that I think resonate with people the most are literally um, someone who loves you is thinking about you right now. You know, that might not mean everything to everybody, but somebody who got that note yeah. was touched deeply by that note, uh, and that's my own, that's the only that's yeah. the only responsibility I have is to answer yeah. that call and to do something special. Uh, yeah. It's the, the the whole the whole um, the whole sort of message of the napkinism's message to me has become: you don't have to do something grand to do something great. Yeah, uh, you uh, we have we have we as a people have fooled ourselves into believing that we have to do world changing things to change the world. And that's not true. Nope. Some, sometimes you can just show up at your kitchen table and write stupid stuff on a napkin yeah. and, and lives will be changed. And that's a, uh, that's a powerful reminder that God is good and he will take even a small message when crafted in love, when done for the right reasons and change the world. You know, and that's, I I'm not, I am not owning the fact that I've changed the world. I'm saying, look what God's done through this. Look what God's done with these dumb napkins. You know, you get, you take a bounty paper towel and a Sharpie marker and you write stupid stuff on it. And lives are literally changed. Um, I don't know how that works. It's fascinating. And I love it. I'm, I'm so glad to be a part of that story.
0: Oh Uh, yeah. It's it's been really cool. You know, you, you, I read, uh, I read on your, uh, on your, on one of your, um, on your website it said that one of your favorite verses is matthew 5 16 let your light so shine before men uh and when i when i teach out of that uh jesus starts that that whole section with you are the light of the world and really it i see let your light so shine less as a command but more as an encouragement of be Mm -hmm. who you are you are the light so let it shine yeah. and when you do uh small things with the heart of love it makes a world of difference yeah. and uh we live in a culture that is uh that worships the platform uh is trying to build the platform we have uh, created a a uh, a sense around the idea of being influencers that wasn't even some a word we used 20 years ago who's an influencer right. you know? uh yeah. and and today um Little things done consistently, faithfully, in a heart of love, literally at the end of the day, uh, at the end of a period of time, uh, do create movement and and I think that's part of the beauty of of the napkinisms and um, how do your kids feel about them? now that they're this, you know they're they've moved past the this was in my lunch bag to now it's on a Instagram or a website or uh, it's in the children's hospital. Yeah, how do they feel about that? It's,
1: it, I I think they also see the ridiculousness of it. Uh, you know, that, like how in the world? Um, but but I think they, there's there's also I mean it's kind of like I was saying about the book. You know, I think there is maybe deep down a pride in it. You know, it, I think they they understand the significance of it. It's more it's more than just for me. It's more than just for my my lunchbox. I I, I think they're proud of it. I, and. and uh, <laughs> if not, if not completely, um, dumbfounded by it, I think they're, they're, they're certainly proud of it and they've seen it, you know, um, they've seen it, how it's affected people. You know, I, I, uh, I've never been noticed in a crowd for, uh, for anything I've done in advertising, but people come up all the time and say, you're not, you're that napkin guy, right? You're, you're, aren't you the next and that makes them just giggle you know because yeah. it's like are you kidding me um and that's fun it's a, it's a lot of fun so i think they're proud of it and i think they see it like i said they yeah. they see the next layer of uh, of opportunity there um it's been a lot of fun it's been a, it's been so much fun to to engage in that and uh, you, you you brought up influence a second ago in my 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 uh my life verse, my favorite verse. When I go and talk about these mechanisms, you know, it, the title of the talk is Influence, Storytelling, and the Power of Paper towels." Mm-hmm. Right? And, and I start off talking about influence because you know, the, the definition of influence is to have an effect on the character development or behavior of someone or something.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Have an effect on the character development or behavior of someone. And my point in saying that is it doesn't matter who you are, what you do, what, you, what you've been called to do. We are all influencers, good or bad. Good or bad, we're all influencers. The word influence is not a new thing to be an influencer. doesn't mean having all these followers on on Instagram or whatever it means. It means taking the opportunities that God gives you to have an effect on the character development or behavior of someone in something. And so, um, what I love about, what I love about that verse is that, so let your, so let your light shine among men that they might see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. It's not so let your light so shine among men as a lawyer so that they might see how successful you are and glorify your god as a as a missionary as a advertising writer as a guy who just about to put out a book it's not about that it's about we all have a light within us uh to do something really special and we culture has put put parameters around that somehow some way and we've fallen into the belief that we have to meet that certain goal um when brad when brad sent that note said Even a small message when crafted in love will find where it needs to be. That's it, man. Mm -hmm. That's it. You know, if, if, if my only opportunity is that one note that reaches that one kid that I don't even know, that's the power of God using the gifts that we've been given to do something really special. And I, I, uh, that's such a liberating thing when you're able to read that verse and take it for what it's worth, um, and to apply that to your day to day. I mean, how could you not have a better attitude? You know, how could you yeah. not, how could you yeah. not smile at the things that God's given you and be able to take not take for granted uh, all of this stuff? Um, I don't know. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a neat, very simple, very difficult thing to embrace and believe on a daily basis. But when you do, it makes a lot of difference.
0: Well, there's a lot of pressure. Um, I've written a few books and there's a lot of pressure you know, do I do a signing? Do I you, uh, uh, you know, and, and, you know, your, your publisher has a series of things they need you to do and hoops to jump through and, and, uh, you know, all those things come at you and it, you feel that pressure. You feel that I, boy, I only signed 10 books today, you know, <laughs> and there's a, I got a buddy who just finished a book a couple years ago, and he said for the first six months, he checked every website to see how many they sold. And, oh, sure. uh, and then he's like, oh, that just wore my heart out. And I was like, yeah, I bet it did. And so yeah. he quit checking. And uh, he said, that's the publisher's job. My job is to is to let that light shine. Mm-hmm. Um, there's uh, uh, We're going to run out of time here. I want to respect your time uh, as you uh, gallivant the countryside. Uh, but what I... A couple quick questions for you. One of them is: um, We all stand on the shoulders of other people. Uh, None of us are successes because we're successes. We're successes because somebody else said yes somewhere along the way, because somebody else, uh, you know, and uh, I know your story uh, with your dad. I met your mom more than once. Uh, What a lovely woman she was. And uh, you wrote something uh, a few weeks ago uh, about your dad uh, and and his journey with ALS and what that took. Um, yeah. Whose shoulders do you stand on, Billy? That's
1: a great. That's a great question. I don't think there's there's just a pair of shoulders. I think I'm standing on lots and lots of shoulders. You know, my I'm standing on the shoulders of my father's legacy for sure. Mm-hmm for sure. Uh, he, he died when he was 41 and I was 16. Yeah. Um, so I didn't get a whole long, a whole lot of time with him, but the time that I remember the time that I, that he, the, the truths that he invested in my life in those short 15 and a half years, um, really did set the course for my life, my belief, mm-hmm. my understanding, my perspective on things. Um, we could get into that pretty deeply if, if we had another three or four hours. But, but for sure, uh, the, the life that he lived and how he invested in me sort of set the tone for, the, for my life. Um, but you mentioned my mom as well. The most faithful person, the most beautiful spirit uh, of, of anyone I've ever known. Um, and so her light Continues to shine pretty bright throughout my my everyday, uh, but I will say you know losing my father so early and so so uh, uh, so young, um, a lot of people had to step in uh, whether whether invited or <laughs> barging the door down to to be there for me. Um, there's a lot of men, a lot of people that that I've just learned from again whether it was intentional, whether um, whether they even knew they were having an impact on my life, but. But there are some great men uh, who have been a part of my life and have uh, have allowed me to to continue to continue going on and moving on and trying to reach for the next new better thing. Uh, so again, th- there's not there's not a pair of shoulders. I think there are hundreds of shoulders that I have I have yeah. <laughs> I have trampled on uh, to uh, to. And I, I hesitate to even say to get where I am today because I'm really nowhere other than the fact that I know who I am and I know who I want to be for my family. Um so so you know I'm I'm not the most successful advertising guy even in Birmingham. I'm not the most successful writer you've talked to today probably. Um but I think we're doing okay, you know, and I think that that is uh that is um a result of a lot of really really good people who have invested mm-hmm. in me and my family uh and given me the perspective to to keep you doing it and doing it right so um you know i can't even think of all the names but there's a bunch of different names there's jerry and gary and john uh and leonard Mm. (laughs) um people who you know who i uh, i i I think uh so 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 heartily and uh it means so much to me just just the influence that you might not even know you have Uh, again when you do what you do in love it's going to find where it needs to be. And so yeah. uh, it, it takes the pressure off. It allows you to just follow God's call, yeah. say yes, listen, yeah. listen to where he's leading you and, uh, and lives are going to be
0: changed. Oh, absolutely. When I worked with you for Christ, we spent 18 years working with teenagers. We had gangs and it always felt like you'd get a kid, they'd meet Jesus and then you would drop them back into a cesspool every night when you dropped them <laughs> off. And And uh, I had a a seasoned veteran of ministry once tell me, he said, don't try to measure the impact of of your faithfulness to God on this side of eternity, because you're doing Mm -hmm. things that only heaven can measure. Uh, Only heaven Mm -hmm. has the calibration tools to measure what happened in the life of that kid, in the life of that human being, in the life of that family. And whenever you get something on this side of eternity, just count it as a blessing. When you find it you know, on this side and that's been very helpful for me over yeah. the 40 some years of ministry and live uh, and such uh, one last question for you. And then I'm going to let you get out of here. Um, anything else you want to say to our people and uh, where can we find your book releases tomorrow? We're excited about that. And uh, on August 2nd, and uh, we're going to put all the links in the show notes. So anybody who wants to find it, they can find it there but is there anything else you'd want to say to anybody as they have uh, i'm sure been more than encouraged by your words and your thoughts mm-hmm. today
1: well i know and I, I there's really not other than other than i'm I'm so thankful for the opportunity to to share bits and pieces of my story and there are more bits and pieces of my story out there um and i'm not i'm not uh, promoting my story as much as i am trying to promote Yoseli's know, story and but but there are two websites that I would encourage people to go to. Um, the first of which is, is acbetween.com, acbetween.com. Uh, the title of the book, actually, the, the, the publisher sort of spoke into this and, and added the uh, defining us at the end of A See Between. The, the, the title of the book has always been A See Between. They've changed it to A See Between Us. So if mm-hmm. you're searching for the book online, search for A See Between Us. Um, but the website is seebetween.com. How much more confusing can I be? <laughs> I'm trying to <laughs> so so basically what I'm saying is I'm I want people not to be able to find the book. But no, a seebetween.com, you can order the book there, you can see where where it's available, you can read more about Yoseli's story on that that um that website. But then uh, napkinisms.com, so napkinisms with an S, napkinisms.com is the other website where, uh, Leonard, you mentioned, I've I've got some blog posts on there. Uh, I've got more behind the story, uh, behind the scenes uh, of the story. Talk about my dad a little bit in there. And um, uh, I think there's a video on there that somebody did about napkins. So hopefully that can be an encouragement to people. I will say this, though, I get asked all the time to provide notes for hey, we're having an event at church or we're having an event, or there was a tornado in Lee County mm-hmm. that, that damaged, damaged a, a elementary school yeah. here in Birmingham. We'd like to provide notes to those, those kids and those families. So uh, that's very difficult to do. It's, it's really difficult to write that many notes and to have that many, many. So I set up on the website, you can go to napkinisms.com and there's a submit button. So what, what I'm oh, doing is I'm inviting, I'm inviting people to, hey, submit a message. You want to encourage somebody? You want to be a light, light in somebody's day-to-day? Submit a message. Yeah. It gets sent to me and then I write it on a napkin and send it off to people. So it's really, it's an inclusive thing. I, I do not own the idea of writing on napkins uh, and I'm inviting people to be a part of that with me. It's really good. It's a, it's a good encouraging thing for me to look in my email and see six or eight messages that come through that people want to share with other people. So that's been a lot of fun. So I would say a seebetween.com, napkinisms.com uh, and then social media. I am at W-R-I-V-E-Y. Uh, and that's where a lot of these napkins are and a lot of our book announcements and whatnot. Uh, Very, good.
0: Very good. Very yep. good. We, um, we will put all those links in our show notes. Uh, if you wrote them down, that's awesome. We are um, excited about this book. Uh, we're excited about the story. It touches my heart. Cause I love Cuba. I love Cuban people. The beauty of every place I go is the people. And, and so to walk into a culture and uh, for you to be able to tell a story of of, of someone else. I mean, that is genuine stewardship of the image of God and others. And so I really, really appreciate that. Can't wait to read it and uh, um, and so thank you for your time. Also, uh, if you want uh, Billy to come and speak, uh, he does that. If you uh, need his help on a project, he's had people help him move twelve times. Yeah, I'm sure he'd be happy to help you move at least once. Um, but uh, if there's any way, you can get him on his uh, napkinisms.com too. I think there's contact there. Uh, some of the places he has spoken and uh, the place, if you if you want him to partner with you. And so any way you can reach out to him and uh, Billy, thanks for your time. Say hi to Bethany for me. And um, I you. so appreciate all that you do. Again, the book releases tomorrow, and we're excited about it. Hey, God bless, and thanks for joining us on Say Yes. Thank and you, Len.